It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Isaac, Eric, Steve, Sean, and Caleb. Listen in as I discuss the 1977 Columbo episode, Try and Catch Me. Welcome back. Here we are returning to our, our duo of Columbo discussions, this time talking about Try and Catch Me. And uh, once again, picked by our yours truly over there, Sean. Thank you for this this pick. I was very glad when you picked this one. So if you ask me what my favorite Columbo episode is, um, on any given week, is this is what people say about everything all the time. Um, there's a whole bunch I won't mm-hmm. mention, but... This is up there. This is probably in the top five. And I think it's a great companion piece with Double Exposure that we watched as well. Um, Because this is one where the murderer does not get angry at Lieutenant Columbo. Um, And I've seen it so many times. And I remember when we did the podcast for the Columbo Confab podcast. Steve said, Abigail Mitchell is evil. She's evil. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Steve. I don't remember this. Okay. You don't remember this? No. No. And I never thought of it that way. And when I look at it right now, I think he's absolutely right. Abigail Mitchell is evil. Uh, Steve, can you explain the murderer and all that? Do your, your. Yeah. You're so good at it. We got a summary. Yeah, we got to get this talent, Steve. Whenever we watch, dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> uh, what, what do you want? You you want me to tell how the murder? Explain the murder. Just yeah, the murder, a yeah. summary of the events that took place the night of. All right, all right. So uh, we're introduced to a world famous murder mystery writer, Abigail Mitchell, um, and uh, she recently lo- lost her niece to a boating accident, very similar to, I would guess, Natalie Wood and Robert... Um, Wagner. Oh, what's his name? Wagner, thank you, and Christopher Walken, probably. Uh, anyway, so she accuses, or she thinks that her favorite nephew, as she jokes, uh, Edmund, <laughs> it was probably responsible for her drowning off uh, in the ocean off the sailboats. So her, she's made a decision that she's going to make him suffer and kill him in a most horrible and vicious way by suffocating him inside a walk-in safe. Soundproof, by the way. And uh, that's how it happens. Which we see her testing early in the episode. I do love the little bit of testing there. And for her uh, assistant, Veronica, she's asking him, oh, do you, do you hear something? Yeah. I thought that, that was going to come back later in the episode, like, but, but it didn't. 
But, but evil, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I see her as evil. I mean, she is a twisted old biddy. Like when she's uh, giving that speech, just talking about how much murder surrounds our lives, and she's so like smug. Are you saying she's a noble murderer, or? Well, I think no. What what I think what bothered me initially, what Sean is referencing, which I don't recall saying that, but um, <laughs> is is the fact that I guess mean, it's your opinion. Is did Edmund kill mm-hmm. uh, Phyllis, her 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 mm. niece? Uh, I I propose to you that he didn't. Now it, it does come to light that they did not have a happy marriage, but I don't think he killed her. And as a matter of fact, he seems very fond of his uh of his aunt ruth um and he tells her things like i hope you you live for you know forever and you never die and you know i don't want your mm-hmm. money um and he says all these things but she doesn't hear him she is so determined to kill him mm-hmm. that she's not listening to actually all the good and nice things he's been saying to her and i, I don't feel like uh, as a character that that he's saying these things and kind of get on her good side i think he i felt that he legitimately legitimately um liked her and you know like he, he didn't even want to read the will that was made out for him that she she had prepared mm-hmm. for him or um you know he she he, he did whatever she told him to do even if it was very you know didn't make any sense by coming back later under cover of night and you know it's just yeah i don't know she played him absolutely yeah that's an interesting perspective yeah maybe i'm just so framed by her point of view throughout this episode but those early on scenes when he's so fawning i thought was just fake fawning same time she brings up the murder his face like drops and he's like oh like oh yeah he lost his wife and it was only it it was only four months previously i i wouldn't want yes this is one of the things that comes up later when colombo uh has Ruth take him to Edmund's apartment since now she owns all of his assets, including the apartment. And mm-hmm. Columbo's looking around and and he tells Abigail, he says, it must not have been a good marriage because I didn't see any pictures. Well, I'll be honest, if if I had lost my wife, mm-hmm. I would, it, for some, it, it would be grieving, I think a grieving issue. I, I, I think I would want to put those photos away yeah. until I got over... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't put them away forever, but I think maybe see, trying to heal myself, trying to move past, I think it would be best. I don't know. I, I think that's how I would do it. So I guess I'd be suffocating inside the vault. Yeah. Right about now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd hide those pictures. It, it makes it awkward when you bring a lady friend over. Who's, who's that? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> But but there's there's an element to it. First of all, I I don't I don't think I agree with Steve that uh, Edmund didn't kill her. I think he did. Um, there's that fabulous scene on the beach in the beginning when mm. she says to him, "I know what you did, Edmund. Everything you did." And mm-hmm. we didn't need it, but we had those two people on horses go around them. Great yeah. shot. Really nice shot. And he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he just stares. Um, but she's, in her mind, she thinks he did it. Okay? It's almost irrelevant that he didn't do it. Because when she closes the door, she says, I knew you killed Phyllis. Did you think that I never knew? And she sounds wicked. And then she slams the door, and that's it. And for a moment there, 
she has a moment of like um apprehension she clutches her chest as if she's gonna have a heart attack she doesn't and Mm -hmm. okay i have to recover now i'm gonna be normal this is it there's no going back i'm going to new york and getting some scotch yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I have to be from from now on. I'm a I'm a happy person, going on in my usual mystery author life, whatever. So speaking of, do you think in your head canon would she have ever bumped into Jessica Fletcher <laughs> at some kind of book convention, murder mystery convention? Yeah, and I was also thinking, would she ever have bumped into uh, Jack Cassidy from that first episode? <laughs> oh yeah, Greenleaf. The three of them. Yeah, I'd like to go go up to the bar at night when they're all doing that. Yeah, I like that they, uh, the first episode, the first proper episode of, of Columbo mm-hmm. is about a murder mystery writing pair, and then the first uh, first episode of last season of Columbo, proper last season, also opens up with a murder mystery writer. I think that's kind of fun that they did that. But two completely different types of characters. Um, yes. She is one of she becomes a friend of Columbo's, even though she's the murderer, but her crime is probably um I, I yeah is the most heinous crime in the entire yeah. series. To lock someone in a vault without any air, or with the air that's left, and let him suffocate over I don't know how many hours. That's really bad. Yeah, one of the ugliest. Like you really have, you really have to hate someone to do that. And and when Columbo is like describing to her, you know what they found in the safe, and oh, he had, you know, paint under that paint under his nails, and, and you know, took his belt off, and she's like, oh, what must he have been thinking during his last <laughs> moments? And oh, maybe maybe he was inscribing his. His last thoughts of for his eternal whatever you know what I don't know what she said. But. Oh, she's horrible. I mean, I love it, but she's horrible. <laughs> I think one of the things that I really like about this character or this killer is how she plays with Columbo. I mean, she mm-hmm. is she mocks him in a funny kind of little ditty way. You know, he'll say something and she'll imitate him. Um, you know, there's a scene where. They go into the, uh, the apartment that we were just talk- discussing, and uh, she's walking around and waving her arms around yes. like he's doing. Yes. You know, mimicking him. <laughs> and she's always just kind of playing along. Like, she's enjoying the chase. Well, that's why it's called mm-hmm. Try and Catch Me. Mm-hmm. And and she also says at one point, one, one more thing, Lieutenant. Yes, she pulls that on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she pulls that out a lot. I thought it was an intentional reference. Even before he shows up, she's pulling it out. Yeah, and I, I got the sense that it wasn't so much necessarily mocking, even though it was. But I thought that there was maybe an element of her being like, oh, it's like meeting one of my fictional detectives in real life. She's got such a charm for him. And the two of them have kind of a, a tenderness between them, even though she is kind of mocking. And she really is like a horrible cold bitch. I mean, that, that murder is just terrible. I agree with the tenderness part that that, that eventually grows, but... Um, I think she's playing the little old lady card. Like, oh, I couldn't have done yeah. this. I'm just a little old lady, and I, I write mysteries. Uh, yeah, but I have a bad memory. I didn't know I found the keys over there. I, I'll put yeah. you some this. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
it, it was funny when Columbo was first uh, interviewing her in her little tea room. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, oh, you know, Mrs. Columbo, she's a big fan. And he goes, as a matter of fact, whenever a new book of yours comes out, she she's the first in line at the library. And I'm thinking, do you think a, an author is happy to hear that their book is not being bought? But I thought that too. <laughs> but the library was so much... I've never thought of that before. More the way back in the day. So I give it a, a pass for the time period. I mean, how does that work? When, when a library has a book, do they pay like a... Does they buy the book? Or do they have to pay some kind of license or something? I think they buy the book. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know. It was never in library science. They buy the book, and then I know on Amazon back in the day when I'd be looking to buy a physical copy of a book, they would they would say, "Do you want like the um, the the library um, binding or something?" I can't remember what they called it, and it was essentially yeah. remember like when we were in school, like the books came like in the like the glossy hardcover versions. Of like the paperbacks and whatnot, you know what I'm talking about? It had that plastic on it, or it like thick, thicker covers than if you just went out and bought it yourself. Um, and I used to see those sometimes, like as an alternate version on Amazon for popular books. Except, yes, I know, I know. If you bought the lore, the library binding, like it would be like thirty five dollars as opposed to like eight dollars. Um, so like a lot more expensive for like they're like more durable basically. Right. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. Now I, I want to go. I want to go back to something that Caleb said that there's a reference to a previous case that Columbo handled before this. Mm. I don't know what that was. Yeah, the cruise ship in troubled waters. Because uh, we see her at the end. She's about to leave with she's she's got all of her friends. She she's about to take off and kind of leave the country. There's a whole thing in the middle of this of like, oh, can she leave? Can she not? And then, yeah, right before she's about to leave, of course, Columbo shows up on the cruise. She's like, oh, are you about to go sailing with me? And he's like, oh, me and Miss Columbo tried that. It was terrific. Oh, okay. Forgive me. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. Except there was no Miss Columbo on that boat. Sir. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. What? It's the old conspiracy theory. Or did you think it was Columbo in line at the library? Is, is he making up a Miss Columbo? He was the real fan. I think I, I think Columbo says a lot of shit <laughs> just to get on somebody's good side. Yes. I, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a wife. He you know he found out she wrote a book. And what's the best way to get on her good side? I mean, the reason that I picked this uh, with the double exposure episode is that you see a completely different relationship between the two. Um, yeah. She never changes. She always has the same facade. She may know, but she's always got to play the little old lady card. And I think she may be the oldest Columbo murderer, but don't quote me on that. Um, no, that's that's correct. That's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, also, I think the end. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think the ending <laughs> is fucking brilliant. It's probably one of the best endings of Columbo ever. Um, not necessarily because the uh, what we see on the paper is true, but her her reaction and Columbo's reaction, and then when she just says, "Okay, fine, I'm done. I'm going to yeah. prison." Um, but there are little there are little bits in this that are so funny, like you know, oh, we have tea, Columbo. 
one lump or two? And he's like, three. (laughs) (laughs) And do you mind if I sit in this chair? Well, that's what it was made of 300 years ago. (laughs) So he sits (laughs) in the chair. And of course, it's creaking and creaking and all that. And one of the things that makes this episode always stand out in my memory is there's very few, there's a lot of uh, Columbo murders who I I like because I think the actor does such a good job of usually playing such a massive asshole that it's it's just so fun to watch. But this is one of the few ones where I'm just so charmed by this this person. I would go and like sit and watch one of her little nasty uh, like book interviews where she's talking about how much yeah. she loves murder. Like she's just so charming all the time. She's a Donald Pleasance. Yeah, Donald Pleasance on that list. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't remember who else. There there's been a couple others, but uh, I think Faye Dunaway is another one that I think it went a little bit too far. But um, hmm. one of the great uh, scenes in this episode is that she's giving her uh, 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 speech at the women's club, and then she's like, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna call up." Lieutenant Columbo, come on, come on. And he gets up there and he actually gives a great speech. And mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, I've met many murderers in my career and I admire a lot of them, not for what they did, but for everything that they've done in their career and so far. He's talk, of course, he's talking to Abigail directly because he realizes mm-hmm. at this point her facade is all bullshit. And then right after that uh, convention or whatever, he's riding in a Rolls Royce with her back to her <laughs> house, you know, and questioning her. There's a- I have to call out before. Uh, oh, sorry, Steve. One, one sure, second. Go ahead. Uh, before he gets up, before she calls him up there, she's like, there's someone in the audience today who spends his life around murder. And Columbo stands up. He's looking around like, oh, who's she talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's just so good. But go, but go ahead, Steve. No, it was actually, that was the exact same thing I was going to bring up. So. <laughs> Coincidence. I, I, I had a good chuckle off of that. Me too. Should we talk about poverty? Not in a Rolls Royce, ma'am. Yeah, there's so many good lines in this one. I was definitely laughing a lot more than that last one. Um, if I had to complain about something, it was how difficult it was for her to get rid of the keys. Mm. Yeah, she even had a great chance. Like, right when Columbo, she's, like, standing by uh, a pier. Mm-hmm. And she's just about to drop it. Like, she could have pretended that was anything. She could have dropped it even when Columbo walked up with Dog. She she held on to it and hid it in her pocket. Which, by the way, I love that. I love that we get a scene of dog in here. It's always fun seeing him. <laughs> and he comments that, uh, oh, dog loves uh, coming down by the water. She's like, how do you know? Because he gets frisky. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> and she says, he seems to be dragging bottom. <laughs> Which is a <laughs> phrase I've never heard before. But Me neither. I didn't know what she meant. And then dog just wanders off the scene. I was like, she, shouldn't you have him on a leash at the pier here? <laughs> Exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's revisit the whole key thing. So, she, I, I guess Edmund left his keys for going into the safe uh, on a desk, and she didn't realize it until after she already trapped him inside. So she hides the keys for some reason. I don't know why she just didn't take it with her. She hides yeah. them in the ashtray. 
Uh-huh. I guess saying, I'll I'll retrieve them later. Yeah. And I feel like this was done before. I feel like things have been hidden in ashtrays in Columbo. Um, hmm. In other cases. Anyways. The, yeah, I feel like they released once before. Yeah. But the maid, Annie, uh, she cleans it out. And then uh, Victoria, who we haven't talked about yet, is her... Victoria's her, what, like a secretary or... Yeah. Veronica. Uh, no, Veronica, thank you. Um, and then she starts to play into the game where she's going to blackmail another blackmail situation. Uh, blackmail the, yep. the killer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Abigail's too nice. She's not uh, She's not an asshole who's going to murder her. She only kills people who deserve it. Because Veronica was the one that found the keys, right? Yeah. It was anybody no, else. It was, it was Annie that found them, and then Veronica said, oh no, those are mine. Oh, yes. Yes. And so she took them. Yeah, because she was dumping it out. Because Columbo kept leaving his damn cigars in there. That's right. Of course, he shows up in someone's house and just puts out like three cigars. <laughs> I don't. Doesn't even think to have, like, oh, should I be smoking in someone else's house? Like, maybe they don't want my, want my cigar smoke everywhere. But no. <laughs> and those things stink, man. I, I, I don't think I'd want somebody <laughs> to smoke that in my home. I like them. I like the smell, too. I feel like all houses smelled like smoke back in those days. Probably. I'm sure Abigail was a smoker. Yeah, that's true. Isaac, I feel like I haven't heard from you much on this episode so far. What were your thoughts coming in on this one? I've been waiting in the shadows, uh, just like Columbo in that wonderful, like, you know, shot scene where he's in the chair inside the library or the study. And he's just, you know, he's, he has his head hanging low and the lights also dim low and you can just see smoke everywhere. I love that image. That was, that was incredible. Or behind the plant in the previous episode. Yeah, the camera. <laughs> no, this one was better. This one was a little more like... I know that one was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, but yes, this episode, uh, boy, uh, I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna pull like uh, everybody hates me talking about it, but I wish that you know understand the formula of like how I love. We spend like 20 minutes, just like Sean said uh, in this in the previous episode about like you know how we have our uh, villain antagonist and then our like hero antagonist. Uh, in a way, I, antagonist actually does not mean necessarily villain. It just means like uh, the secondary to the protagonist and they're opposing them. But that does not necessarily make them the villain. But I, I, I really wish this was like uh, a Batman series because hmm. less time spent on Batman himself. There's some characterization there, but instead all of it's just on his his uh, cases. All is on his criminals because you have these personalities. Like Abigail, goodness gracious, she's like a total personality. Uh, same with, you know, the Doctor in the previous episode. Like this is where like, you know, you, you get you could get like classically trained actors to come in and play these like, you know, do these roles, to, like ha like just play this character the way they want to. It's such a good idea. But anyways, I think early on with with uh, with Edmund I think it's with him. I think we're actually he's supposed to be a blank slate. I don't mean like not giving him. We're giving him characterization, but I think it's very much we're, we're letting the audience interpret whether or not he did kill uh, his wife or not, Phyllis or not. I that's what I took because I was like, there's there's not enough here to say he did do it, but I think in a way he's written as a blank slate intentionally, not because he's like bland milk toast. But we don't know much about him. We know more uh, um, about his aunt. We're really like that. She's the star of the show for Pit Six. Uh, for him, we're just like I think it's left to the audience interpretation as to whether or not he uh, killed Phyllis or not. 
uh, but we do at least see his death. And whether we agree with Abigail uh, or disagree, that's that's up to the odds interpretation. She did it, but like, is she in the right for doing so? And okay, obviously Steve forgets it, but when you say like she's pure evil, are we talking like you know Mike Myers of uh, Halloween One and not the shape, not? <laughs> Not, like, do not think of any, like, you know, sequels. I'm talking about the conception that John Carpenter had of the shape. Just, like, is she pure evil? Or is, like, or is she, or am I going too far with this? So not the, the Stonehenge evil, uh, Michael Myers from the sixth one? I said, no sequels. I said, number one from 1979. That's it. Damn. The only, the only one. There's only one Halloween film in my mind. He, he's evil in every single, uh, uh, Every single film. But um, when you say that she's evil, let's pretend that Edmund did kill his wife. All right. And, and and really, when you think about it, it doesn't matter one way or the other whether or not Edmund killed his wife. Of course. Is that she decides she's going to kill him. Now, there are 60-something other Columbo murderers. Most of them shot their victims or mm-hmm. poisoned their victims or whatever. Um, she locks him in a safe. It's the act itself. It's the way she murders him. Yeah. The suffering. I think that's probably why I said what I said. That makes sense. Because that is just a horrible way to kill somebody. And she says to him, I know what you did. I, I know what you did to Phyllis or something like that. And she closes the door. I think that's it. I think that's... I don't think... You know, I. Yeah, she also she also relishes in the details of his suffering. Yes. Like when Columbo mentions it, mentions, oh, he burned only six match- matches. Then she's just like, oh, burned up his oxygen. Like she almost seems amused by it. Burned up his precious air or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when we get to the end, and Columbo's got the the puzzle with the boxes, she's just making all these like yeah really twisted jokes. I was like, God damn this. This lady's ruthless. <laughs> she, you know, and, and this is, I'm going to go again about Columbo. This episode, I think it's about an hour and five minutes. Hour 13. Oh, I'm sorry. Hour 13. And we know all, not all about her, but all about this history, how she feels. She thinks that she did a good thing. Whether or not she did is questionable. Um, but she feels she's right, and this guy killed her niece, so she has she has to put him to death. But what's you know again going back? What's scary is that she doesn't shoot him. She she makes him you know suffocate over, I don't know, probably eight or nine hours. Yeah. Um. That's the most grisly murderer murder in Colombo history, I think. Um. Yeah. And I'm curious what you guys think about this, because we see that scene where him and her are walking on the beach seems like it was pretty pointed why she brought him to the beach for their walk and she confronts him a little like mentions like hey and i know you did this and i kind of wonder do you think if do you think that was her way of being like i'll give you one last chance if you maybe admit it to me yes you're onto something and i won't kill you yes absolutely absolutely i agree 100 percent and if he would have said he didn't say anything you know like if you were him and let's pretend you were innocent I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what is it you're talking about? 
or if he's yeah, you just gave that like stun look. Well, and then the yeah, when that scene ends. They're both walking off together, and she says, "I've you know, I'm so happy." She says something along the lines, of, "I'm happy. I'm glad. Now I finally mm-hmm. know who you are and who I am in relation to each other, or something like that." And like she's yeah. she cemented in her mind that okay, I'm moving forward with my plan because she she has she's solidified who they are to each other. Yeah, so I think that helps to, to humanize her a little bit. She gave him one last chance to kind of prove to her that she was right in her, her horribly grisly murder. <laughs> I mean, she, she could have chosen a less cruel cruel version, and she could have not seemed to enjoy it as much as she does. But but I do I do think she's more sympathetic because, you know, it's not something selfish why she's murdering him. Absolutely, yes. And, and also, she's just really nice to him. She's really nice to Columbo. You yeah. know, you can't forget that. Like, she's one of the five murderers that really get along with Columbo and respect him and have conversations with him for the most part um, until he says, you know, you have to get off the boat for the cruise because you have to, you know. Well, what about the scene on the pier when she goes, she tells Columbo, you're a really nice man. And oh. He tells her, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> like, I yep. love that. And I never, yeah. I didn't notice this until tonight or today when I was watching rewatching the episode but when he delivers that line uh, Ruth Gordon's lips are trembling yep I had not noticed that I thought that was a really good good moment absolutely yeah and Isaac mentioned about bringing in these really like kind of stalwart classically trained actors I think that's one of the things that makes Columbo so great is these people can come in for these one-off performances and just give it their all. I mean, Ruth Gordon here is just just fantastic. Agreed. It's one of the reasons I think she stands out so much. I love all of her little affects. Like, uh, I know she sticks out her tongue randomly when she's like pleased happily, <laughs> and during during a little party scene. <laughs> I just think she's such a charming personality in this. It's like, oh, I hope Columbo gives her a pass. I don't want to see her go to jail. This nice old lady. She was just wanting to uh, make up for her niece. No. <laughs> and she says that at the end. She says, Lieutenant, I think maybe you can make an exception. Mm-hmm. Kind old lady. Harmless. <laughs> Mostly. Nonetheless. <laughs> and he says, Well, you're very professional. I'm very professional too. Well, uh, she even she even says, if only you were on the uh, the case of my, my niece, yeah. then none of this would have happened. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, fantastic way to end it there that moment. But Eric over there, now he's in the corner with the smoke in the dark. Uh, well, I haven't heard much about you on this one. What were your thoughts here, this particular episode? Hmm. Where do I start? Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> no, I. This, this is my birth, Columbo. I suppose. Afterbirth? No. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Well, because you have like your birth Doctor Who episode. Um, it's 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 like the closest to airing um uh oh by my birthday my original birthday hey hey fun fact this doesn't matter steve has one that was aired on his birthday what yeah listen to the podcast for that <laughs> i'm sorry eric no, you're going. fine you're fine so yeah so i was i think sean was thinking of me when he chose my birth columbo um <laughs> how cute point <laughs> when i I'm. I sometimes miss the roll-in package um, that old shows used to do, um, where they just 
they would just give you all these glimpses. Sometimes it would give it away the episode you're gonna watch, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But but that aside, I, I kind of miss rolling packages in general. Um, and watching the rolling package for this one, I got the interpretation that she was going to be assisting Columbo in solving uh, the crime. You know, I did what. I could see it. In the roll-in yeah. package, I don't. Th- I don't think it showed in the roll-in package that she was the murderer. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on, Eric. What do you mean by the roll-in package? Like the little preview at the start. Remember in the old days, like Dukes of Hazard and everything did it. Oh, like like you'd have Peter Falk's tonight on Columbo. Yes, yes. I didn't have. Yes. Okay. This time he even said, "I'm Peter Falk." I was like, whoa, that's not... Usually it's just lines from the show, not this... Uh, oh, yeah, so in the roll-in package, it looked like... It was like that show Castle, is what it seemed like to me. Like, the um, the mystery writer was going to be tagging along with Columbo to try to solve the crime. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I- I'm down with this concept or premise. And then, of course, mm-hmm. that's not what it is. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But my overall take though is just i did not enjoy this one like i did the first one interesting we have mm. discourse oh my god John, we I, right. I really i really oh. didn't i really didn't we were right to be concerned i really <laughs> didn't because the way abigail's character was set up um as this writer and you know really intelligent uh, you know because you know, obviously, she's behind all these novels, uh, and, and and there's other aspects about her that that present her as like this really intelligent person. Mm-hmm. For such a character to make blunder after blunder um, oh. after the murder, I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. It, it was like you, you guys mentioned, of course, the keys and the like. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's completely insane. The, like she. She was so close to the quote-unquote perfect crime, and there's no reason why she shouldn't have been able to pull it off, if not for her insane blunders, which I could only think existed, because otherwise Columbo wouldn't have a chance without her insane blunders. Well, see, I, I don't think she is the genius of the, the previous episode. I mean, she even admits, like, the only thing I'm smart at is when I'm sitting down and writing. Well, I know she's not the same kind of genius as, as, um, as the previous guy. I get that. But she, but she should have been a genius. In this, like this is in her wheelhouse. Well, obviously, I mean that's the whole point of the episode because she is a, a murder mystery writer. That you know, this is this is her domain. And then they put so much into the her staging of the, you know her 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 like you know setting mm-hmm. everything up and testing things, trying to show that she's like a methodical person. When it comes to this, that it's a completely different character to me post murder. I just couldn't. I couldn't get over it because it was completely like she completely did herself in, and I like completely unforced errors, which I could not understand. Well, yeah, she was good at writing murders when she had a closed environment where there was no room for a tiny error, like someone leaving their keys unexpectedly. Like, yeah, she she planned out the murder really well, but once that tiny little wrench was thrown in, it was like she didn't know what the hell to do about it. But the problem is. It shouldn't take even a genius, though, to not make those mistakes. The fact that she was a genius in this respect has made it worse to me. Because an ordinary person shouldn't have made those mistakes. I really agree with you, Eric. I think you're right. 
uh, because the times that I've watched this, I've, I've realized that. But you have to realize that for her to commit a crime like this, or for anybody that has committed a murder on Colombo, you have to be a narcissist. Yes. And or a sociopath. Yes. So she thinks that any lie that she tells is good. You know, anybody can believe it, even Columbo. Yeah, I don't know. I think she knows that she's that she's fucking up. I think she just... Why would you put the keys in the ashtray or the sand in the first place? She thought she could get away with it because she's a narcissist. No, but why do that? That's like saying, um, I'm a narcissist, so I'm going to just leave the gun like in the wastebasket. What? That has nothing to do with being a narcissist. Well, I, I agree with you. She 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 could have taken she could have taken the keys to the yes exactly and throw and thrown them away in the garbage. Exactly, that's exactly and what I was no thinking. No one would know. I don't have anything. But then but, I don't. I think that's. I think she didn't even she didn't even need to grab the keys. She could have just walked in front of. Okay, him fine, and there. fine, fine. That was the first big blunder. But then to add insult to injury, to place them by the sprinkler. Because it was very clear earlier, you know, with the whole, like, the guys are going through the bushes and taking pictures. It was very clear that that would be a horrible idea. And she was right there, too, with Columbo while those guys were doing that. That was, like, the worst possible place to try to, like, replant the keys. Why is everyone quiet? Yeah, are you, are you done? Yeah, I, I thought you were still going. But... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think you're kind of right, but I don't. Uh, See, that's two strikes in a row. Suspension of disbelief. See, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just the way she plays it, but I never get the sense that she's even really actively trying to misdirect Columbo as much as she's just trying to distract him by talking really fast all the time. I don't think she did. What? I don't think she really did have a plan. You know, I, you know, it's not like the previous guy had like set up this fall guy with the wife. She just kind of. No, but it's not about having a plan. It's it's about not incriminating yourself unnecessarily. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is I don't think I don't really think she was thinking this through all that that much. I don't know how smart she is in that regard. I don't think that's her strength. Again, I don't think a regular person would make this type of mistake. I think you're underestimating regular people. But... No, no, no. People make other dumb mistakes when they think, oh, no one would have seen this or this or that. But but this is very clear. Like, this is a bad idea. I, I, I think that Eric makes a very good point. Oh, my God. Steve, what do you think? Oh, my God. I'm shocked, Sean. I agree with Eric. I know. I'm shocked, too. I, I, I do think he makes an, a very good point. No, and I, I agree. She does make a lot of really stupid mistakes. But I think with this character, I think it's believable. But again, it ruined the enjoyment, though, because if she had been more clever, like the previous guy, but not, she didn't have to be like him, but in her own way, that would have made this so much more engaging for me. And it, it would have seemed like the challenge for Peter Falk would have been so much more. Also, I don't want to dump more on this episode. The way they ultimately discover, you know, the, the one of the key clues, the one, the key clue that's inside the safe I feel like regular everyday detectives um, who work crime scenes, they would have figured all that stuff on their own in two hours without even Columbo even being involved. That one, I'm not going to... Oh, do you mean... And I know they don't reveal it till the end of the episode, but the whole episode, they had me wondering, does Columbo already have that information? He did. Um... Because I almost had the feeling that he... No, 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 that he literally knew, like, the whole message and everything. Yeah. And had already read it. 
This is a great question. I've thought about it before when he's doing the boxes and he's redoing them. And, oh, look, it's a message up. And she's saying all this bullshit stuff. Maybe it's his message to heaven. He's about to go there. She says, you know. Yeah, (laughs) big asshole. And lo and behold, underneath the the light bulb is the thing. Yeah, at least in that case, I think it's pretty obvious that Columbo did know what he was doing. I think... He was giving her a chance to... uh... Okay, then let's go with that. Let's go with that version. If we go with that version, then it made me feel like now Columbo was toying with her the whole episode because he could have already, like, um, detained her and forget about this whole trip business. He could have detained her right on the first day if he already had all that information. And so then it's like, what is he doing this for? Because he knows he's on TV? Like, because then it doesn't make any sense if we go that route. Yeah, that, that makes him a masochist, which, well, I—that's why I'm not sure if he knew at the very at, at the start, or or is it a sadist? I'm sorry, yeah, sadist. sadist. But no, I, because this is a common discussion that you guys had all the time on the Columbo confab. Because there's so many cases where Columbo, it's like he almost just needs the reassurance for himself to see the murder, you know, kind of fall under his pressure, even if he comes up with evidence that would never stand up in court. Mm-hmm. It's like as long as he gets the satisfaction of knowing that, like that they know that he knows, then he's good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it I do get the sense that he knew pretty quickly what was going on with her, and it was almost like he just wanted her to kind of have to accept it herself. And then, um, and then the subplot with the assistant and the and and the oh you're gonna take me on the trip, you know, like the projectionist in the previous one. So didn't need that. I so did not need that. Like, extra yeah, fluffery. It didn't really go anywhere. It's just silly. Speaking about the assistant, there is the scene where he goes to meet her in her belly dancing class. Oh, I was going to bring that up. Oh, hey, oh. Thank you. I was there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, in other episodes of Columbo, I think he is into belly dancing. Yeah, so, right, so I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my, on my notes. Because... Uh-huh. Okay, I didn't know until I was researching that apparently that was like a 70s trope of like our protagonist male to go into like belly dancers like rehearsing. Apparently that was a thing in 70s television. Um, But that aside, um, this goes under my thing I bring up now and then on on podcasts about why I can't stand or something I can't stand about the show Law and Order or shows like it. I... (laughs) I have some kind of weird affliction with those types of shows when a detective or someone is trying to do their job and they go out to where the person works or does whatever they're doing. And this person is being interviewed by, you know, an officer pertaining to some major crime and they cannot stop what they're doing. They must do whatever they're doing. In Law & Order, they go to like, the, um, the butcher shop and he's like literally cutting meat while he's like answering the questions or like a mechanic shop and they're like taking the oil out of the car while having mm-hmm. I and I was like oh my god they're doing it in this show when the part where he was trying to talk to her while she was literally like in the in the he was like in the circle <laughs> and I, uh, uh, I, I, mean, was, I don't know it was, I, yeah but it's it's wait a minute what, what what's what's like that in this because you're talking about like CSI. No, that's no, no, that scene, that scene. Because he's trying to talk to her, 
and she cannot stop engaging in the activity that she's in. And it's almost comical. Uh, just the Which way scene? It, it's a belly dancer scene. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Right. Yeah, but this, again, this is Columbo. He, he'll harass you at all hours. No, I get it. This is probably like her 15th interview with him. No, this part didn't didn't um detract from the episode it just it 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 triggered me just because like i said i have this <laughs> affliction already that whenever this happens in a show i had to just jump out of my pants but it, it's it's not necessarily a detriment to this particular episode it's just they, they they hit that soft spot for me um and then uh just a couple of random notes um if you do the math due to the volume of that vault um uh, Edmund should have had enough air for about 20 hours because of how big it was. Yeah, that would have killed him. He could no. He would have. He would have survived. How did you know this? How did you? How did you look this up? The jelly bean thing. He would have survived. He would have survived to the next day, the next morning when he, when he was discovered. Let's not forget he burned those six matches. Did you? Uh, did you factor that into your math? Oh no! No! no that would not. That would not. Oh my god! Am, did you factor that in, Eric? That's six <laughs> matches. That would not deplete. No, because okay, so um, one cubic foot is wait, enough. wait, wait. Pause, pause, sir. Name your citations. One cubic foot. Yeah. One cubic foot is approximately enough air for a person to survive for one hour. And the interior, if you just kind of guesstimate on that, on that safe, is approximately twenty cubic feet of volume. Oh, guesstimating, okay. huh? Mm. That's why. That's why. Um, and then just other fun fact: um, the stock footage of when they show the 747 when they leave on their flight at the beginning. Uh, that same stock footage was um, used in Airport 1975 for the plane, and that same that actual plane that's in the footage. You can go visit that plane in Seattle. Um, it's at the uh, Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington, because that particular plane was one of the, the um, like the original test models in like the late '60s of the 747 series. Okay. So you can go visit. But can, but can we see her scotch yeah. in there? <laughs> hey, Caleb, let's go there. <laughs> kind of cool. The PS Airport 1975 sucks. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I got. Sorry, everyone. That's okay. Hey, Eric. Uh, so I was in the scene, uh, literally like, you know, my favorite scene where uh, Columbo's in the study and he you know, he's just mulling over himself and just being very introspective and then he goes into the safe again. And then he takes his little, like, flashlight out and he notices the, uh, the little imprints on those safes or uh, whatever, those, those lock boxes, excuse me. Yes, uh, yes, that's, yes. That's when I guess he, he doesn't puzzle them together, but he's like, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. So he probably has to do some like quick thinking when he like does it at the end. Uh, that's maybe that like backs up your state. I don't know. Oh, and and it, I will say it was clever that it was literally marking out the two words on the cover page because what I thought the clue was going to be um, ultimately, I thought he would have like taken um, some pages out of whatever she had in there. And I thought he was going to make like one of those ransom notes with like the random words. Oh, that's what I thought the reveal yeah. was going to be. You know, you know what I mean. I thought it was going to be like words taken out of like different manuscripts and put together. That's, that's but when it was just like the words marked out, I thought that was kind of clever. I guess, except for the fact that he doesn't have any glue or scissors. But I, I, he could probably like rip off stuff, but like, well, glue. yeah, but like laid out or something. <laughs> yeah, and I remember a common question on the Columbo Confab was. 
when did Columbo figure out that this person was the murderer? And I'm not particularly sure when he figures out in this one, but it seems like it was almost immediately. And so, yeah, the rest of the episode does feel like he's just feeling her out and almost leading her into giving it up. And what are the what are the thoughts on the whole business of uh, of setting up all those wills like literally the day before? Because does, doesn't that create another distraction? Like, doesn't that create no, something no, more incriminating no. for you? Oh, sir, sir. Yeah, it's a it's a bit distracting, but everything that is yours is mine. Everything that is mine is yours when we die. Um, I think because he... Oh. No, this this is what I'm saying. Like, no, she w- didn't. She give the rights to like two or three of her plays or novels to her niece, and he had them. So if he died, yeah. she would get them. Yes, I think is so. Right? I think so. Well, there you go. That's the answer. To that no, 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 <laughs> no. That's a separate issue. No, no, it's not. No, I'm saying, why would you do this? I mean, I oh, no, I get the part we just established that you get the rights back to your stuff. But what I'm saying is, if you really just care about the revenge, um, then kill him, fine. But by doing this, like, literally, the last time the guy is seen alive, doesn't that, like, put more heat on you? What's your point? Yeah, th- this this feeds into my point. This this was not a crime that was well thought out that was... just that was... <laughs> Well, that's not a good excuse. It is a good excuse, because this, this is... This is very different from a lot of Columbo murders, especially that last one, where this is a a crime of passion from someone who isn't a high intellect like a lot of the other murderers who are so distanced from it. Oh, wow. Mm. Where they they plan it out very coolly and they execute it very coolly. She, this was all about that moment when she sees him in there and says, I know you killed my niece and then closes it up on him. I don't. I don't think she was really thinking about what would happen after that moment. Well, well, okay. I, I, I was going to say I don't agree with you, Caleb. So that creates other issues. Um, but after the moment when she closes it, I, I don't think she was thinking about it. But she did think about it. She's an evil fucking person. I mean, yeah, the fact that she tests like for the soundproofing, even though that was a poor test, but. She, you know, she goes to all these great lengths. And if I go with your premise, Caleb, that she's just like a dullard who's trying to pull something off, then that seems like a. a she's not. She's not a dullard at all. I'm not saying a dullard. Well, the way he just he said, well, okay, we don't have to take it. Take the word literal. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying she's stupid. <laughs> um, but you said like compared to like other um killers, like she she's not high on the list, you know, in the IQ department, comparatively speaking. Yeah. Then, to, then if I accept that then it makes me feel like it's a waste of the premise of a murder writer because you would think that's part of the fun of it. Eh, no, no. Yeah, this is a different one. I think this is more about... And I think that's why Columbo never really gets into that kind of heated, like I, like we're kind of adversaries. I think he more feels bad for her and even says as much. Any respect? No, I, I get that, but it, it just hurts, like... It hurt... To me, it hurts, like, the, um... Like, the, the creation of the character on paper um of abigail because you would think that that just this fits like go with it and so then to not go with it just seems like like a shame like like what if it was she was a sci-fi writer and they get involved in some type of sci-fi situation and they just like none of their skill set applies for some reason no because they only understood it no in the writing room hold, hold on hold on at at the end 
he has those two pieces of paper that he pulls out. And he's like, oh my god, what is this? It's a puzzle. Can you help me solve the puzzle? <laughs> and she's the lady that should solve puzzles. And he brings it out to her and he says, oh, is this the puzzle? We talked about it already. Um, I don't know what my point was here. Could somebody else talk? Steve, Steve or Isaac? Steve or Isaac, please speak. I'm still here. I'm, I'm letting Steve speak now. Yeah, Steve. Steve, what do you have to say about all this, this calamity? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if he's there. <laughs> Steve. Oh, he his mic's Isaac, mute. Isaac, what do you have to say about all this calamity? Oh, I'm sorry. I was peeing. Okay. Totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> you guys are going at it so well. I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity if I can take a piss. I would have got away with it if I had you guys not called me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I say I know, you're my name, and I'm going running across it's the like, ah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> it is everywhere. Well, it happens to me all the time. My dick is still hanging out, so, you know, here we are. This is this is why we don't use cameras. There you go. Yes, <laughs> not yet, at least. None of us know what we each other look like. No, I, I agree with Eric. Uh, oh. uh, she, uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, well, because she does. She makes a lot of silly mistakes, but I, 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 it's weird because I still enjoyed the interaction between the two characters. Um, you know, anytime they're together, it's, it's, Eric, what did you say at the beginning, the, at the intro, you thought it was, they were going to work together. Yes. Yes. I thought they were. Because, because they, they, they obviously bounce off each other well. When they're when Falk and uh, and Gordon are delivering their lines, I I I was just more mesmerized by how well the scenes played out. <laughs> so maybe I was more distracted by that. Yeah, and, and I'll say I don't feel like every Clumbo villain needs to be on the same intellectual level as him. And I'm not saying that she again that she's dumb. She has her strengths, but like she even mentions, she's just good at writing stories. And it was like she she wrote the the perfect murder for herself, but she couldn't factor in. This one small, one small thing, leaving the keys. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And that just fucked it all up for her. She didn't know how to, yes, how to innovate with that that one little wrinkle. Wrote herself into a corner. I'm curious to you guys if any of you have have or had a relative like Abigail Mitchell. Like I did. I had an aunt like her, and so she murdered her somebody. Jeez. Yeah, she murdered. She. <laughs> oh no. Uh, no, just that that personality, that sense of humor, that that quick wittedness yes i had a grandmother like that she died years ago um we went to uh dinner at like bennigan's or applebee's or something like that and they sang happy birthday and she shouted out fuck your happy birthday it's so stupid what <laughs> holy <laughs> smokes yeah uh but wow Yep, that's exactly like Abigail. Was that the grandma would always call you the wrong name? Or was that for Steve? I can't remember which one. No, that was uh, the other grandma. My... The other grandma. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Carl, Corinne, Don, Sean, Sharon, Bill. <laughs> Sean! Yeah, go. Could you get that for me? Yeah, she's dead now. No more grandparents. Me neither. All mine are gone, too. Mine are long, long gone. I got one left. What a happy, what a happy podcast. Anyway, the end of this, <laughs> the end of this with the uh, the box, this I don't know what you call them, safety deposit boxes, anything, money boxes. She's yeah. like bullshitting. She's bullshitting the whole time, and he knows it. I'm gonna go with that team. He knows it. You can tell. 
And what do you think, man? What do you think? Oh, oh. And then finally he goes up and he gets the piece of paper out of the light bulb. And it says, I was murdered by Abigail Mitchell. And the moment where he gets her to say, and see this, ma'am? Read it out loud, ma'am. Yeah. There's a beat. Yeah. Yeah. And I was murdered by Abigail Mitchell. M- Abigail Mitchell. And he says, that's deathbed testimony. And that's when she says, I suppose you can make an exception, an old lady, <laughs> no less. And he says, no, I'm very professional. Thank you. You're going to have to go away. Or, he doesn't say that, but anything yeah like so, so with the with the episode still playing in the background it seems like Columbo first understands the scratches at 47 minutes in which is the scene where he uh is speaking to the attorney the way that they shot it it's implied that he had no knowledge of the scratches prior to that point um you're correct i think you're i'm right. just saying because earlier we weren't sure if he maybe even knew like from the very beginning of the investigation, but I guess the seed gets planted at this at, at this scene. But anyway, just saying. Yeah, I don't know if he knows the details of the scratches, but I get the sense almost immediately that he knows it was her that did it. And every now and again, I get that with Columbo. We're just I don't see the point when he figures it out. It just seems like he he figured it out off camera. Yeah, I get that vibe too from the little Columbo I've seen, which also makes me wonder because not to bring up science again but um uh it's that what is it called um oh god uh it's very unscientific to do such things like he seems like he has like a hunch on a lot of these killers before he has all the clues and everything unorthodox unorthodox no it's it's the the thing in research that you don't ever want to do because oh i can't remember what the term is but because because it'll 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 cloud all your judgments um, um, because you'll try to be proving your premise. Um, yeah. and, and I noticed that's a weird thing. It seems like he does that a lot, but the, the, the only issue with that, I mean, if it was real, is it cause then you start trying to make everything fit like your narrative, you know what I mean? Cause he's, cause he seems to come in very biased, but maybe that's his magic power. Maybe he, his gut is just so amazing like that. Um, and so then it's, I mean, I guess it's okay if you had some kind of magic gut. Otherwise it seems like it would cloud all your all your investigations if you're like i know so and so i mean he doesn't say that obviously but internally he's like i know so and so did it i'd I'd love to know if there's ones other episodes where he's convinced it's this person but then realizes over the course of the episode it's someone else yeah that's one of the interesting things again with colombo is we never really get into the mind of his process properly so there could very well be him having coming in with multiple different suspects that we would never really know because he's only giving us one side of his investigation to the murderer that we see uh, their POV from. So there's always lots of little bits that are left out, and, and I, I don't know, I think that makes for an interesting element for the show. Never really getting into his head in that way. But I am, I, by the way, I'm watching that belly dancing scene, and yeah, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> well, I like the instructor. Yes, the instructor is who I'm, I'm thinking of, and she could have pulled her little... We'll skirt up a little bit. It leaves a little bit of uh, something at the top and the back. Okay, okay. Yeah, because Plumber's Crack was something that was like fairly regulated, <laughs> like in the late '90s and oh, 2000s on television. 
But it's right there, and there's a lot of wonderful things on the oh, screen. Oh, brother, just know. get it. Oh, whatever. The outfits. The outfits, of course, I mean. Oh, yeah. dude, just like what? The costume design is just fantastic during this scene. Yeah, whatever. I know. I want to watch I Dream of Genie now because of all the subliminal messaging. Oh, jeez. <laughs> or I guess it would be the opposite of subliminal. Yeah, that's true. So I forgot to mention, yeah, this one was uh, directed by, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> Oh, where else do we have to go? Uh, wait, 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 who's it directed by? James Frawley. I was going to say Igmar Bergman because of the penis uh, subliminal message in Persona, but I was like, why am I going to make, make this reference? It was the same director? That's obscure. <laughs> no, I hate everybody. I hate all of you. I hate all of you. Hey, it's, it was it was directed by James Frawley, who is, um, who is most known for directing the Muppet movie in 1979. Oh, cool. Well, let's let's. Uh, do we have any lingering thoughts here for this this one? Let's let's go around the circles, starting with you, uh, Steve. I guess. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Like I said earlier, I think it's just the interactions between the uh, the killer and Columbo. Uh, it was just entertaining to watch. I think Ruth Gordon's just an entertaining looking and acting person. You know, with the little little nuances with her. Who was it that brought up Isaac? Was it you that said about her sticking her tongue out? That's Caleb. Oh, Caleb. Um, but uh, no, I just I found it very enjoyable. I mean, yeah, it's got a few faults, you know. But what what program doesn't really? So I I, I thought it was very very fun to watch. Uh, it had a belly dancing scene like you oh, guys were going on about. Um, <laughs> Come on. Uh, that was the highlight. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, I mean, the scene by the pier was just wonderful. It really was. It, it, Not because Dog was in it, which I, I love whenever he makes an appearance. But Yeah, me too. You know, just the, the, just the acting was top-notch in that, in that scene. You know, and just the kind of the back-and-forth barbs that they would throw at each other. I mean, it was a, in good... It was in good taste. Well, they, I don't think they were being malicious to one another, but they were mm -hmm. definitely playing um, a game. Um, I, mm -hmm. I don't know why I can't think of uh, a better way to put that, but I, I found the episode just to be extremely enjoyable. So. Yeah, I guess since it sounds like we're rounding out to, to final thoughts, what would you rate it, Steve, out of... Now, I'll be nice. I, I'm pretty sure they said her amount of books at sure it was 32. But I was originally going to use the uh, the safe combination, but that was yeah six hundred thousand. Uh, oh wait, six hundred thousand five hundred forty. It's, it's the add addition. He, he he added it up. He added up the the total like amount. Uh, I think I'll stick, stick with it. Yes, let's go with thirty two. I think we'll just go with thirty two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I do want to say one one thing that I I, I found hard to believe. Uh, the one scene that I guess that kind of stuck out my mind. I guess because I've replaced enough light switches in my time uh how she did not electrocute herself i thought the same thing man i was like <laughs> yes. oh, wait a second i was thinking that too <laughs> she, she should that that should have arced and gave her a heart attack wait what, when, I don't, what what part was that right at the beginning so she so she wants to distract the lawyer by having him fix a fault oh yeah 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 oh switch. yes 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 and how she didn't electrocute herself i could i don't know but uh, yes. Out of okay. 32, I, I give this a pretty solid 31. I really like this one. Holy smokes. Yeah, how about you, uh, Sean? 
Um, I agree with everything uh, Steve said. I think this is the perfect match for Columbo. Uh, she's kind of silly. She's kind of goofy. But still, I'm going to give it a 32 out of 32. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my few favorites. There's like two others that would get that honor. So I'll pass. How about you, uh, Isaac? Uh, for me, uh, for some lingering thoughts, uh, I will say I was a little bit disappointed by the episode, though, because when they said she was a murderer uh, or author, I was a little like, I thought maybe this is like too easy, but I thought they were going to do like, she like did one of her earliest murders. Like she, she committed like one of her early, maybe that's too like comic booky and not like real enough. Where I'm just like, oh, no, right, where, where like she goes back to like one of her early mur like murder books she she wrote, and then she like commits the crime she made like years ago. That's what I thought was gonna happen, and so, or she was gonna piece it like a murder novel, and like Columbo was gonna have to like think like her or, or read her. But I don't know. That's what I that's what I legit thought was gonna happen. <laughs> so I was kind of disappointed on that. But maybe that's just too gimmicky. Yeah. Uh, I'll 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 be the first mm. to say that. Oh, uh, they. They used that in another episode. We mentioned it earlier, but go ahead. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I literally, I was thinking like, because I know you mentioned there was a second one. I'm like, I wonder if they did it for that one, but... So that's that's not fair. That's that, that's definitely not fair for me to like, you know, throw the expectations on there. For what it was, I absolutely did enjoy this, this one. Um, you know, I know it's... Okay, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes about the belly dancing scene. It's not so much, like, with the women or whatnot. It's just the fact that it's made, meant for, like, the male gaze. I'm like, okay, well, like, whatever. I, I couldn't care less about that. Um, it, that's a big look alligator moment for me. But I didn't... It, 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 alligator yeah, moment. Did, uh, if, if you, like, know Don... Big lip. Yeah, if you understand the Don Bluth movies, you'll understand that. But, like, you know, it, it probably could have been cut. I We didn't really need it. But, like, I think what Eric says is kind of true is that there is a bit of, like, if you look a little close, there's some continuity error, continuity error, excuse me, uh, or that, you know, <laughs> uh, Abigail wrote herself in a corner and, you know, that one small thing is there, as Caleb said, you know, those keys just were, there, were her downfall. You know, there's was, there was some, you're right, she was close to the hubris, or she was close to perfect crime, as, as Sean said, but I think there was, like, one thing that she missed and it was that, you know, one thing that kind of like made her whole like plan fall apart. So I, I sort of accept it uh, for what it is. I could sort of I, I see your point. I see everybody else's point. But uh, for now, I think I will uh, give this a twenty nine out of thirty two. Yeah. And before I push it to Eric, I just want to point out uh, it is a common thing for these murderers to have one tiny little element make their whole thing fall apart. Hubris. We didn't discuss it. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's that too. We didn't discuss it in the last episode, but one of the big mistakes that Dr. Keppel made was uh, why did he turn on his tape recorder when he went entered the room where the murder happened? Correct. It was just, it was one tiny little fuck up mm -hmm. that he didn't think about. It just happened. Yeah, that was weird. Overlooked. Yeah, but he, he was immediately just knew how to switch into gear and how to redirect about like, oh, you may have that, but you don't have all these other bits. She she would keep talking, she would keep trying to distract, but she wasn't misdirecting, she would just... Yes. That's just what she does, she's just a talkative person. Yes, that's absolutely true, 100%, yes. Yeah, so, so again, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a weakness, I just think this is a different type of murderer. But, but go ahead, Eric, I guess you're up next. 
I, uh, oh, I did like see seeing the actor GD Sprawl, Sprodden, Sprodlin. Bless you. Was kind of the attorney. It was pretty cool just seeing him in a television role like this. He looks like Robert Redford, uh, like at Robert Redford when he what he looks like now. Excuse me. Yeah, he looks like Robert Redford if he was like like now. Excuse That's me. interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just for for me personally, it felt like. A wasted opportunity because um, the elements on paper sound really good to me and so it's the execution of the way the story plays out that i i don't care for um particularly but uh yeah i, I wanted to what are you talking about no like like what execution <laughs> he's explained it yeah the, um yeah what i said earlier okay because it's like because i the potential to me was She's going to be, like, really smart in her own way because this is in her wheelhouse. And that's going to make her especially difficult to trap or to discover. Um, and this is going to be fun, you know. Uh, to, like, I thought it was going to be, like, a really tough one for Columbo or something. Uh, but this is not the way it plays out because, as already discussed, she makes these crazy blunders. Um, Columbo seems to figure it out really easily. Even without the blunders, I mean, he was already, like, had most most of it figured out, blunders aside. And so that just kind of took away from the fun that I felt could have been there. Um, and so, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm giving it a 24 out of 32, I think. Yeah, still relatively high. Yeah. And yeah, Eric, uh, this is much later in the run. It sounds like you were looking for something like Murder by the Book, the first episode, which does have this murder mystery writer plot, which does have more of that kind of element. This is later in the show. Yeah, I didn't hate it or anything like that. It wasn't like it wasn't enjoyable to watch. It's just I really yeah. loved the first one. And then this one just seemed like like the first one felt deliberately picked to me like, oh, yeah, this is this is a banger. And then this one, I was kind of like. Is the only reason because she's a murder author? Because I don't know what else I'm supposed to cling on to on this one, like as as to why it stands out. Yeah, and this this is I'll say a, a fan favorite. This definitely pops up all the time on top ten lists of Columbo. Um, so I think maybe the Columbo audience, a lot of what you're talking about, what you want to see, there's already episodes that do represent that. This is just a bit of a different twist. Sure. On that kind of thing. Oh, and then the last thing I was just gonna say that. I'm just curious that the whole nephew thing that this episode predates the um uh the whole Sharon Watts thing. Wait, Sharon Watts? What? Not Sharon Watts. Um the celebrity on the boat that y'all mentioned earlier. Yeah, Robert Wagner that was spoofed in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, but that thing that thing it's it's crazy that this predated the that event, the real life event. Yeah, well I guess coming around to What what year oh, was go ahead. Yeah, what year was that? Sorry. <laughs> I was like 80, 81, something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, continue, Caleb. Yeah, coming around to my final thoughts, uh, I just want to say thank you, Sean, for, for recommending this one. I always do enjoy, enjoy coming back to this. And I liked that uh, you picked an episode that both had Dog mm -hmm. and this old man come up twice. This old man is another big Columbo kind of uh, trope that we see throughout the years, a little Easter egg for the fans. So it was fun seeing that in there. And it's in Poker Face. If oh. you watch the first episode of Poker Face... Um, it, it, there's a uh, slot machine that says da 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 da. This all da, da. Anyway, yeah, and I do appreciate um, a bit of a different type of Columbo murder in this one. 
I feel like uh, she does feel somewhat unique. Um, she isn't one of the best Columbo murderers, but very charming to watch, and I love her dynamic and her scenes with Columbo. That's really the highlight of this episode. Um, but this is another one that wouldn't be on my, my top favorite list, but it'd, it'd be close to it. It's almost there. I think, uh, yeah, maybe her murder wasn't the most thought out, but I do appreciate the super cruel element of it and the fact that she's just so unapologetic, just making so many kind of mean-spirited jokes all the time. I just think that's kind of a fun bit of twisted kind of black comedy. But, um, but yeah, no, I definitely... I definitely enjoy this one. But I will say my, my favorite Columbo episode with a, a female murderer is uh, Forgotten Lady with Janet Lee. I think that one is just stellar. Mm, Steve likes that one, yes. That's a great one. Hey, what was your, what was your score, sir? Oh, yes, I, I forget about the rating. Um, I'd probably give this one... Uh, it was 32... Probably around 28, I think. Maybe 29. Yeah, not a perfect episode of Columbo, but I, I do appreciate a bit of a, a different take here. And I think it all ends up working. So so thank you guys for, for once again coming on for another Columbo episode. Me and Isaac, this is a, a long time coming, and I'm very happy with the selection that we, we started with. Indeed. And I hope that you guys, if you're interested, will come on yet again to discuss some more Columbo in the future. Because I'd love to talk about some more. We shall! Oh, but Isaac, would you like to uh, carry us out to the uh, the conclusion here, the freeze frame? If you don't mind. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, those between and unaffiliated for listening to this. We always appreciate it. Thank you guys, as Gail already said, thank you very much for joining us in this. Uh, and for this, I will end with, I wonder if Columbo ever got a signed book for his wife. Hmm. Uh, but also, uh, just for me personally, I have a name for dog, uh, and that is Mamoro. Till next time. Peace. Nobody. The dog's actual name was Henry. Ah, cool. Um, for for you, Caleb. Um, the only reason that's there is because uh, Mamoru oh, is Mamoru Oshii, yes. and yes. Mamoru Oshii loves basset hounds. Uh, given the fact that you know, the, you know, we, if if you remember in Ghost in the Shell, yes. there's that wonderful little cute guy, and yeah, I just I, that, that was I that was fun. Yeah, I'm just switching over my disc. <laughs> I can, uh... Wait, wait, you have them on disc? You have them on DVD?
Yeah, I've got them all on DVD. Yeah. Have one on DVD. <gasps> oh. You don't, Eric. What? I asked the question. Have what on DVD? Oh, I thought you said you had all of them on uh, Columbo. Oh. No, but I, I, I definitely would have bought it, though. But um, if I had been involved in something. <laughs> definitely thought about it. Oh, my God. He's still bitter. Passive aggressive much? No, not at all. But it's the truth. Um, yeah, and I'll say... Uh... After falling way behind in Murder, She Wrote, I only made it to your guys' fifth episode. That's okay. I just bought the box set yesterday, so I can finally catch up. Murder, She Wrote is really not as good as Columbo, but yeah. there are more episodes, and they're shorter, and they have a lot of people in them that you'd recognize from this and that and this and that. Um, but it's still it's still fun talking about it and podcasting about it, so... Yeah, I'm excited to catch up. It's better than the the Cosby mysteries. Oh God, sorry. Oh God, <laughs> Steve, are you there? Oh yeah, no. I remember Steve was he was always bringing that up near the end of the ColumboCon <laughs> fab. Is this what we're doing next? Cosby mysteries. <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah, is Isaac back? Oh, oh you're talking about the Cosby <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> yes, Isaac. Can we hear you, Isaac? Mayhaps. Oh my god. <laughs> when you guys have finally done Murder, She Wrote in uh, like 2035, and the Cosby Mysteries will be up. People have forgotten by the cancellation by then, so. Hey, I don't think it's going to be 2035. We're about 50%. No, I'm sorry, 20% done, so. Only? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like, there is no way you're near 50%. Because I think you're only on episode 50, though. I think that's the most recent one you put out. I love clues. 